And welcome everybody to another edition of the CarCast. We should certainly start numbering these so we have any idea. But there, there's uh, erratic. I'm getting into the. I'm missing the lead. Should we start over? Welcome everybody to the CarCast. I'm Owen Newkirk. We have Sean Shapiro, whose voice is improving by the minute. It is. It really so is. So he really is. A, a, he's a he's a player tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was a player on Tuesday night, but we were in a better mood. Yeah. Yet you wouldn't notice because we're still having fun. Uh, tonight, always having fun. Always having fun. Stars and the Chicago Blackhawks. Sean, quintessential trap game. You shouldn't be because a trap game typically, when a team comes off a road trip, usually a successful one, which the Stars did not do on Tuesday for the Calgary game, and they won that game. But this is the team coming in has been awful. Chicago had lost five straight on the road. They had one win in their last 14 road games, 1-12-1 during that span. They went 3-0-1 on the road to start the year, unbeaten in four in regulation. And then the doors blew off, the wheels fell off, the tires deflated. And they had not won um, heading into they so they won their last game in Nashville, which yes. was... But they had not won back-to-back games in general since October 26th. And these are not just back-to-back games. They beat the uh, Nashville Predators on Tuesday and then came in and beat the Stars at home. And the Stars swept the season series last year against Chicago. So everything pointed on paper to Dallas, who was looking for their sixth straight win on home ice, winning this hockey game. And then they played the game. And that's why – and there's the cliché. This is why they play the games. This is why you play the games. And um, this is one of the reasons that they... Uh... Okay, well, first of all, when you've lost four out of your last five, how can you get caught in a trap game? There, you shouldn't be. You should like, not be... Well, I'm not saying the Stars were strolling around overconfidently, but you're right. If you have one win in your last five, you can't feel as though you're on top of the world. No, you can't. Right? You cannot do that at all. And that's what they did. So it didn't help that Alex DeBrinkett scored off of a faceoff on his first shot of the game. Uh, Stars actually almost scored on their first shot of the game. John Klingberg returned to the lineup. That was a big lead going into this one. And threw a puck at the net from the half ball against the boards. And it gets almost trickles through Cam Ward. It was... If it had gone in, it would have been a horrendous goal against. It really would have been ugly. It would have been a bad goal, but it was it was good. Before the shot, before the uh, before Klingberg threw it on that, it was actually a pretty good 10-second buildup by the top line, actually, overall. Now, the shot wasn't It would have been a bad goal based off the shot, but it was a good start for the yes. Stars based off how they kind of got, they got, started getting up and running with their uh, best players. Well, and this is what game where... They fell behind early, and then they got sucked into the Blackhawks game style, not playing what they wanted to do. And, uh, by the way, my co-host for the radio broadcast, Brad, uh, Bruce Levine, is on the shelf again. He had to have a follow-up surgery from the procedure he had. The, uh, he's the Martin Hansel of your uh, yes, radio show. That's right. Show. He's, he's always on the IR. Always on the IR. <laughs> he's had two surgeries. He's going to have a season-ending surgery for a third one later? But, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's planning on that one. This one was a planned procedure. The other one in September was an emergency one, which is much worse. And so the good news is he's doing fine and recovering. So Brad Lukowicz is back on the broadcast, and he mentioned that – the Stars were early getting sucked into the Chicago game plan, which is a track meet, mm-hmm. not a physical game. 
and it's the and Dallas played right into the Chicago strength. They did, and they. Uh, I, I actually talked to uh, I talked to Taylor for doing a little bit longer about this after the game, where who we also had on the post game. Yeah, show. and I don't know if you you may have talked about the same thing, but possibly go ahead. But he Taylor and I talked because the, our car cast listeners yeah. may not have listened yes. to the post game. So Taylor and I, I was talking to Taylor a little bit about he was mentioning how. The way Chicago played against them, it's something that they haven't had teams do against them in quite a while. Yeah, he said this is um, us as well. And how basically the Blackhawks have a – the Blackhawks try to stretch teams out. They try to change chances. They try to make create rushes. But it, they do it in a risky way where it's not cherry-picking, but you basically – It really guy. is. It is. It really is. You, you have a guy – We call it stretching yeah. the defense. Yeah. We call it cherry yeah, yeah. But it is – it's playing four on five. Yeah, they, they have basically it's the sense where you know what we're gonna play basically like we're on the PK for four guys, and we're gonna have one guy basically ready to fly the zone as soon as we get the puck, and sometimes before we get the puck, and sometimes yeah. it's Patrick Kane, and that is really dangerous when he's he's one of the few guys that in the NHL doesn't necessarily beat you with flat up speed. He's not slow, but he like uh, Jim Montgomery said with Jason Spezza, he he's He's smart with how he does it, which means is he gets behind yeah. you, so it's hard to catch him. But what he really does, Sean, is his stick handling and his passing is at such an elite level that even if he is one on two, it's really hard to dispossess him of a puck. And yeah. so then, then he gets guys flying the zone to join him on the rush, and there's your odd man chances if it's not a breakaway. And they've got good speed, and Chicago's good speed too. They don't. They they are the least physical team the Stars have played yes, this year. Yes, they're not physical, and they don't have. They might not have the most. Um, I don't think they have a lot of toughness either. I, I don't think they have a lot of. I mean, I don't think there's not a lot of pure talent. Like they have some top end talent, obviously. But Kane, Taves, Keith. Overall, Zebra. it's a pretty fast roster too. It's, it's not, a young. Yeah, it's and it's a green. Team. And it's got energy. Um, but this is also a team that. Is not the Blackhawks that won three Stanley Cups? No, no, it's not. And no. you can see why they've struggled. Now they got into the game early because of the early goal. Then they added a power play goal late in the period. That was a bit unfortunate for the Stars because they had a broken stick, so they were almost five on three instead of five on four, and that really diminished Fox's ability to impact that. But you could see that Chicago, you know, for all their struggles and their power play has not been good lately, but they shrunk in and sort of collapsed closer to the star's net and just started pinging the puck around. Yeah. And it was it was a pre, it was a pretty play and a really nice finish by Gustafson. So, 2 nothing into the first and then of course Patrick Kane scores inside 2 minutes in the second. It's 3 nothing and that was a tough one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was one where uh, you're coming out, you're you hopefully you're thinking maybe okay, maybe we can reset a bit, maybe we can get things going a little bit and more. It's usually their best period. Yeah, it's usually their best period and then that really just kind of digs the hole a little bit deeper and things started to turn around a little bit in the rest of the period, but it's it's that it's that classic example, right, where it's you, you can't win a game in the first five in the first ten minutes, but you can lose a game. Right. Things like that, where you or the, the playoffs, where you can't make the playoffs in the first twenty games, but you can knock yourself out. The Stars have done yeah. that before, Sean. They've yeah. scored, they've given up three in a row, and then come storming back we at home. In Colorado, we saw it pretty recently. They like, did it then, yeah. and they did it against Anaheim early in the year, where they were down three to nothing and just torched them with four goals later in the second, took the lead, and won the game comfortably in the third period. This one. Tyler Sagan gets a, uh, just a fabulous wor- uh, worker bee type play 
from Gurianov on the forecheck, mm-hmm. and then Jamie Benn to get the puck and make the pass in front. And so Sagan's starting to find the net again, and that's a really good sign. Yes. Because he's had these chances. He had a 10-game goal drought, hitting crossbars and posts everywhere but not scoring. Now he's got, what, three and four, I think it was? Either yeah, way, yes. He, yeah. he has started to put the puck in the net again, and that's a good thing. And, again, Jamie Benn was fabulous. Yeah. To make it 3-1, to one, you're thinking, all right, it's not over. And you have a long way to go. For Ben, tonight was one of the games where, and I've been, I've been critical of Ben this season. I've been, I think we all have. At times, but, yes. Uh, we've all been critical of what he's done this season, and give him credit because tonight he was very, he was very good tonight. He was, I thought he was good off the first shift. Um, he was, for for Jamie's a guy who I think, one thing I've started to notice is, the games he's good, are the games where he lets the physical side come out first and then lets the skill follow. Right. And it's he's yeah, willing yeah. to put the work in, committing to yes. the physical effort. And we saw that tonight and he saw that on the uh, on the goal that to help set up to help set up uh, Sagan's goal that made it 3 to 1 and then I guess we we could jump to the third period. So we go to the third yeah. period. It's, it's yeah. 3 1 after the second. A little disappointing Dallas didn't yeah. get it within one mm-hmm. to make their their comeback efforts a little easier, but in the, in here's the, another yeah. Taylor Tyler. Yeah. This time it's Taylor Fadoon, not Taylor Hall. But yeah. uh, this goal is was was I, I said to you as we were walking yeah. to your car tonight that this was an inspiring play by your captain when you're down and you needed something to get the team going. And I thought it sparked a really big intensity lift. It's just too bad it didn't well, take it was, until the third period. It was the type of play that um, when we used to see Jamie Ben go into these stretches consistently of, okay, I'm going to take the game over. My team is not going to lose tonight. It was that type of play. Um, and it was that type of play where it was uh, the combination of, A, the skill, the, the, the pass off the end boards, that's a high skill play. Yes. That's a that's a design pass off the end boards to Radulov. And then he goes to the net, he goes hard to the net. And then, right. It was essentially yeah, yeah. would have been icing except for yeah. he knew Radulov could yes. win the battle. The foot and then, and then he pays the price going to that, basically draws all of Chicago's attention, and Fadoon just sneaks in there for the... And gets cross-checked yeah. in the face yes. by Connor Murphy, who, by the way, also gets hit in the face later in the game mm-hmm. by what looked like an inadvertent elbow, Yeah, but a vicious one. From Tyler Pitlick, yeah. I don't think he had any intent. I think he was just trying to go to the net uh, and arm swung was, yeah, I don't think there's no intent. You could have called a penalty, but there's no intent. It would have been... A, I, to me, it was... One of those incidental contacts. Yes. We actually saw that earlier in the game, too, where uh, Foxa and Jonathan Taves crashed into each other. Again, I think it was two guys going to the middle of uh, center ice looking at the puck instead of each other. I mean, actually, it, it was a game tonight where, um, on that realm, there's always places you can nitpick, but I think the referees did a good job when you don't call that play on Foxa and, uh, and Taves in the, earlier in the game. To not call the other inadvertent contact later in the game. I think that was actually well done by the referees. In that part, yes. There were some They're instances not, where I thought some officials were yeah. not good at all. Yeah. Especially because <coughs> they let it they let some stuff go that was just like, well, if you decided that you're not gonna call yeah. any penalty. They called one each in the first period and then nothing after that. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't an overly physical game and Sean, it was three to two after the Fadoon goal and the stars then try to get back into it late. There was for a game that was pretty disjointed for a while, then basically hit running time. Yeah. And there were almost no whistles, and it flew by. You're down to almost three minutes left before Bishop 
uh, before they get a stoppage, the bishop gets pulled, they go to the extra attacker, and Kane scores, and then they do it again, and Perlini scores, and it goes from 3-2 to 5-2. Yeah, and the real backbreaker on that one, and it, 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 Kane, might, Kane might have scored either way, but the goal that made it 4-2, everything, like, if there was, there was Ben kind of slips and trips up in the corner, the ref, like he the, a Blackhawk and a, referee, and a linesman collide right in front of the bench, and, like, John Klingberg almost... I don't want to say he quit on the play, but he just kind of coasts away. He also put like, his arm up as yeah. if he was appealing for a, a whistle from the referee, yeah. like a penalty or something. And here's the thing. You may have that inclination, and it may have just happened surely because yeah. he was thinking about it. You, and we talk about this in any sport. You have to play to the whistle. You have to be a player, not yeah. an official. You cannot try to, to referee the game while you're playing. It just You simply can't. Yeah. If you do that and they don't stop play, now you're in a compromised position. And I think that was a mistake by him, and he probably won't do that again. I don't think, if he gets a chance to watch the video of it. Yeah. Um, so that was disappointing. I don't think he I don't think he uh, back-checked on Kane as efficiently or as aggressively as he could have. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an issue. That needs to be, that needs to be uh, addressed at yeah. some point, right? You can't have that. I know it's his first game back, and he played a lot of minutes he for did. a guy I thought they were going to ease in a little bit. They really did. I mean, they, they actually went right with the plan that Monty said they were going to do. He said, we're going to ease him in because we're not going to play on the penalty kill. <laughs> that may be the case anyway. It's, yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, so there's that. Stars lose the game by a score of 5-2. to two, And I'll tell you what, it shows sort of the, uh, the microcosm of tonight's game is there was a breakaway – partial breakaway maybe if you want to with two seconds left at the buzzer yeah and bishop makes another fine save it could have been six two and there's no business with the game over like that that you switch off and let that happen so to me i thought that kind of encapsulated the way that that's a a good point because that's they were stars are a team and give credit to the blackhawks for sucking them into their game but the stars are a team that even when they've struggled, they've done a very good job of limiting rushes and limiting breakaways and things Not like tonight. that. Like, I mean, I, I did that whole story last week where I cross-referenced notes with you where we're yes. going through. Talking about breakaways. We had a hard time finding a lot of them. Finding breakaways against and All of a sudden, tonight, the Stars looked like a team where if you watched, if you hadn't watched the Stars much this season, you watched that game, you'd be thinking, okay, they must be getting torched by rushes all season long. And that's not the case. No, but and, they were tonight. And they were tonight, and it was... Credit to the Blackhawks for sucking the Stars in, but also Stars just kind of weren't ready. Um, the other thing that you kind of think about, too, that I kind of that you kind of noticed and we kind of touched on when we were walking to the car is Klingberg comes back and two things happened that I saw. One, where um, a lot of guys were, there was a lot of deferring to him even more so, as in, like, he's back, let's let's get, let's get him play. See what he does, yeah. give him the puck, yeah. and then we'll yeah. play off then, him instead of just doing what they think is right. And then the other thing where, okay, he's back, we've been working so hard without him for a while, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's back, he's going to give us that spark. Once he gets that spark, we'll all be ready to go. And that's not, A, that's not fair to Klingberg, because it's something where you should, that shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, the rest of the team shouldn't have to be ready to go because you make a play. Right. They need to be ready by themselves, and they weren't. And they weren't for, I mean, 15 of the players on the roster weren't. So. Yep, I agree with that. 
Uh, let's go to the lightning round because we could rant a bit more about yeah. this. And Jim Montgomery said after the game that he didn't think the team played with the right attitude. He said we were playing pond hockey out there. And it's funny because I watched the Chicago team play for the first time live this year. And they haven't been a good team as far as their record. They've gotten worse since they fired Joel Quenville. And this team is a non-physical team. They don't have a lot of big strapping forwards that come barreling in on the forecheck. They played hard, but they play they play a track meet style game. Yes. The Stars fell into that. I get the feeling that if the Stars played a tough, in-your-face, hard forechecking, punishing hitting type of game, it slows down Chicago. It changes how they play entirely. And I don't think they would have an answer for it. The forecheck was not good enough tonight. That's, no. that's something that is that's big. All right. Lightning round it is. Um, Taylor wants to know about Sean's feeling, not Owen's apparently. Just Sean's. <laughs> so let's uh, let the big shot over here. Oh, oh boy. Uh, regarding why depth scoring isn't happening, whether Dallas is poor at drafting, and if management should be removed as Stars fans are grumbling, note, I don't want nil fire because I don't know who the replacement would be. Um, Taylor asked, uh, sent this question towards me at the uh, postgame show. We didn't answer it because we had other things to go. But I think that this the reaction... The question is, what, why is there no depth scoring? Because yes, and then he's coming up with answers about it. Uh, why is there no depth scoring and should management be removed? That was the question. Yes. Okay. What do you think? So let, uh, before I... I weigh in. He asked for you, so okay. let's give him you. Um, well, here, here's a fascinating thing about, and we could we could go into, we could talk for hours about how the Stars draft and things like that, and um, and we could talk about it for a long time. Sure. But the interesting thing about the Stars draft, and I think this is the best way to put it, is the Stars tend to, and they have, based off the, the evidence has shown, that, and whether whether you believe their rankings or not, whatever, you, however you look at pre-draft rankings, no matter how you look at a pick, like we won't even look at the Ty Delandria pick. We'll throw that out. It's okay. too early to judge it. Okay. But what past history has shown us is the stars have tend to outthink themselves in those first round picks. They've they've out they've they've overthought themselves. This is a they have a management staff, and a lot of these guys were part of the uh, and Jim Nill was the leader, a part of the the build in Detroit. And think about how Detroit was built. Detroit was built because they they outthought everyone else. They were doing the things that they were going to the Other, places. They were going to places nobody else was yes, doing. Yes, they were the ones outthinking everyone else. Now everyone else is going to the same places that they were, and there's not as many. It's it's hidden spots yes, for players. I think the last hidden spot for a player I've heard is the Colton Pareko story, where the Blues went to Russia to scout him um, when he was still uh, when because he, he was playing in the uh, in the junior. In the BCHL, maybe, and I remember um, the Blues went to go scout him at, a, at like a Junior C tournament in right. Russia, and that's the last like hidden gem story I can remember finding. Um, Jamie Ben isn't that far removed. Yeah, really. uh, but yeah, but no, but he's a guy who is still. Stars looked out on that one. They didn't. Right. No, it wasn't a first yeah, yeah, round yeah, yeah. or second no, round. The Stars are at a point, and that's that's that's, right, that's right. ten years ago. That's 2007. That's yeah. 12 years ago now. Right. Um, and most, so most teams so aren't doing the that thing in the is, first round. The thing is, the Stars overthink themselves. That's what they do in the in the draft. They're instead of taking the obvious pick, sometimes the obvious pick is the right guy. Like just they're just taking the guy with high skill in the first round. If you're taking a first-round pick, in theory, they are going to play in the NHL most of the time. You look at the uh, – And if they're not, then you feel like it's a mistake. No yes. And and 
there are going to be guys who first round picks who become first round picks who become bottom six guys. But you should take the guy who. How do you win hockey games? You score goals. You yep. should, especially you need, nowadays. You need to take the guys who are going to help you win hockey games and put pucks in the net. And you need to look at how do you do that? High end talent. The stars haven't always focused on that. There's always been. It seems like they overthink things, and they needed to, they need to draft more for high ceilings, and they haven't done that. Um, now that's that's should this management staff be removed? It's. They need to. They, they do need to take a deep look at their draft, and they need to figure out that. Um, overall, I mean, it's they need another. They need to be able to assess and look at this roster and say, okay, we need another top six forward, and our internal solutions aren't coming at the point. And if you can't do that, then you do start to question, okay, is the right person in charge? It starts starts to become a point where you actually can have that conversation and. I'm, I'm rambling now, but... <laughs> yes, you are. All right, yeah. so I'll, I'll jump yeah. in again um, because we have other questions about it, too. Ryan wrote in, same on depth scoring. Why hasn't it been fixed? Klingberg is seventh in scoring. He was out for over a month. This is sad. Yes, but he also had a pretty good start as far as offense is concerned. Um, I get the feeling that the Stars are still trying to find a second line. It's, 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 a feeling? They are. Right. There's I mean, not a feeling. That's exactly what's happening. This, this, is, like, what, this is what's <laughs> happening from last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. It has, still hasn't happened. Now, Spets has been out the last couple of games. He's at the end of an, of an expiring deal at the end of this season. Well, they season. have a second-line center, but he's playing in Cedar Park right now. Who, Rope Hands? Yes. You think he's the answer? I don't know if he's the answer. But I you know think what? that the Stars are lacking a second-line center that can score. They are, but you know what? Give me a second line of of, of Nachushkin, uh, Hintz, and Gurionov and let him run wild. Just, you think so? Just, no. Here, what, what, what do you have to lose? Let, let him run. Let him play with pace. Let him make life a little bit hectic. It would be the Colorado model, wouldn't it? Okay, Colorado plays with their massive top line, although they have mm-hmm. Rontanen, who's as young. He's from the same draft class as Gurionov. Mm-hmm. But that line is, is the top in the NHL from a production standpoint. Then, then they have the, when he was healthy, he's injured at the moment, but Kerfoot, Comfer, and Yost. Mm-hmm. And that's the young trio. Yes. And so it's really top-heavy. They play the top line a ton of minutes. They drive the engine. It's a long game for, for the Avs because they're giving those young guys a chance to get second-line minutes repeatedly. Yes. In the long run, it'll pay off. It's They haven't been awesome all the time this year, that line, but it's because the top line's been so good they can afford to do that. Do you think the Stars should follow that mold and do that then? Yeah, I would, I, I, I'm at the point right now where your best second-line center option is Rope Hands. Um, you may be right. I'm curious. I, 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 I think I am right. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. I say you may be right because I'm curious to see. I like what we've seen from Nachushkin and Gurionov together. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Gurionov to play better than Val's right now. And I think you could also. Even but I'm curious to see what a playmaker, a guy that really is an elite passer like Jason Spezza could do with those two speedy wingers together. Remember how Spezza was successful with. Yanmark and Hemsky flying down those yeah, wings. Yeah, we're talking three years I know, ago, though. I know. Three years I know, ago. But I'm just curious right. as to what that might look like. Is it the answer? Probably not. Try it. Try it, but it's... He'll be in the lineup on Saturday. In theory. I think there's no doubt. Unless he loses another eight pounds. Well, they... Jim Montgomery said this morning that the plan is he'll be back in the lineup on Saturday against Minnesota. So, um, But no, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I, I just don't know if... Rope Hints is the answer to a really good scoring second line center. 
he's not a scoring second line center, but right. he's their best option, and and he can play with speed. And you know what? If you want a more playmaker on the line, go go keep go with Nachushkin, Hints, Radulov, put Garyanov on the top line, and then you then Radulov. Well, Garyanov looked good with Venice yeah. tonight. And then let Radulov kind of drive that line possession from the wing, and he can do that. Like you still think that? And again, yes, they need to get an, outstern, an external they, option. They do. They need another. We option, all agree upon that, like, right? Yeah. So, but that's the problem yeah. is that they can't right now. Until they make some decisions elsewhere, because they have no cap room whatsoever. No, they don't. The only way to open up cap room would be to trade players from their NHL roster. The guys with the big salaries cannot be traded, correct? Right, unless they waive their no no trade no move clause clauses, and they're not going to. And even the guys who you even and you guys, don't want to trade Ben Sagan. Yeah, but even even the other guys, Radula, even Plinkard. the other guys who you want to you'd want to trade, and people talk about, they're almost impossible to trade. Like right. Like, or they just don't make enough money to make enough of a dent yes. to to afford the big player. So the only way it happens is, and unfortunately to say this, is that if somebody on long-term IR stays there for the rest of the year. It's not come back, yeah. And it would have to be a guy like Mark Mathot because he makes enough money. Now, I would love to see Mathot healthy again and playing and contributing to this team. I think he would add something to this Dallas Stars team. No doubt if he's healthy. I just, I, I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to. We haven't seen him in what feels like forever. To, to me, Mark Mathod basically brings what Roman Polak brings, and I don't think you need them both in the lineup. I'm not saying you need them both, but I yeah. think that if Mathod was in the lineup, right, it would help this team, right? Wouldn't you play Mathod over Fadoon? Maybe. Really? I like Taylor Fadoon a lot, but Mark Mathod brings a physical element and a – uh, penalty killing shutdown presence. I just have no, I have no trust in this. Right well, now. of course, I'm talking hypothetically because we don't even know if he'll ever be able to play hockey again if he'll be healthy yeah. enough, and we'll see. But anyway, so you need something like that to happen to be able to open up the kind of cap space to be able to make a move right now. Next year's different when Spetz's contract is up and Mathot's contract is up, mm-hmm. and the salary cap conceivably goes up a bit. Yep, they'll have some room to make a move. Problem is, Sean, and here's the issue that that we keep talking about. The Stars could be set up to be really good next year. <coughs> Fine, but Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan aren't getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Can you continue to burn through their prime years in hopes that sooner than later they'll be be a contender again? Tonight withstanding, you may tonight withstanding you could make the case you've already burned through Jamie Benn's prime years. You could already make the case that with what you see from Jamie Benn this season, yes. he's not a Jamie Benn that's worth making. Well, it's been a while since he was the Art Ross Trophy winner, and yeah. that's it's it's what four years ago now. Yep, and his cap hit his cap hit maybe nine point five, but he's making thirteen million dollars this year. He's not playing like a thirteen million dollar player. No, no, he's not. But if he plays like he did tonight, consistently, and that's maybe the. The other question that we had in our lightning round, that if you want to go back to it, I thought was an interesting comment from Sterling. People need to stop worrying about depth scoring and go after the big problem, which is consistent, dominant effort and play from the two players that are now the cornerstone of this organization for years to come, Ben and Sagan. What do you think? Well, no, he's right, but it's you've got to – you need to worry about depth scoring because depth scoring is important. But you also – you, you can worry about both. You, you can you can you can worry about both things because both things are a source of worry. The the top line is it is it is worrisome because we mentioned the Colorado model. The stars are almost like Colorado. Colorado's a little bit better in their bottom nine forwards, but eh, the, 
only a little bit. Maybe, no, maybe no, in the second yeah, line. Yeah, but only, but no, my point is only yeah, a little. Much. Only a little bit. The only difference between the Avalanche and the Stars is the Avalanche top line smooths everything over. Everything. Everything right? over. And do you remember? Of course you do. Yeah. The 15-16 season, the Stars were not good defensively. They weren't. They yeah. gave up a ton of two-on-one goals against or three-on-twos. They gave up four or five goals a game, but they scored six or seven, and so their offense out. Uh, sort of swept all the mistakes under the rug. Yeah. And no. then the next year, injuries piled up, and those mistakes dominated in the Stars yes. didn't make the playoffs and after ben, winning the and, division the and, year before. And Ben and Sagan are paid to to make life easier for the team. And that's what they've been good. They haven't been top five player in the league good, and that's what they're getting paid to do. If they're and getting paid that much, they should be top and, ten and we in also, scoring, And we, right? we also talk about, like, one of the big things we always talk about, okay, the stars need a top six forward, and this is, and this is partially an indictment on management. It is partially, yes, sure, but it is also an indictment on those on Ben and Sagan because right now we don't hear while well, we talk about Colorado. Oh, it'd be nice for them to get a guy. That's a luxury purchase. But they they're clearly but, winning without they're, it. They're winning without it. The stars. This is also the the fact we keep saying. Oh, the stars need a top six forward. I keep talking about, and I know I it's a I sound like a broken. I just keep beating the drum for Mark Stone, but. <laughs> They don't need the old, but they don't. If Ben and Sagan are performing the way they're supposed to be, the Stars don't need Mark Stone. A Mark Stone is a luxury purchase. A Matt Duchesne is a luxury purchase, and that just makes them that takes them from a good team to a potentially great team. The Stars aren't a good team because their good their top players aren't good on a consistent basis or good to a level where they're supposed to be. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I I think the, the 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 hope was is that. Spezza wouldn't have tra- trailed off as he he's been better this year than last year. Mm-hmm. I'll acknowledge that, but he's not scoring goals the way that he did when he was a 30 goal scorer, and it was a few years ago now. And so that's a lot of money to be paying for a guy who has single digit goals, isn't it? Yeah, at this it, stage of the season, it is. But his his cap hit actually doesn't doesn't really bother me as much because you paid for. It's it's the classic example of where. You're talking about the end of a contract where you want you were trying to get him the first couple of yeah, years. Yeah, and yeah, and I get that. Yeah, no, it doesn't yes, bother yes. me, but again, this money is tied up yes. his and Hansel's, right? And you can't do it. The Hansel's looking better, but he's not a top six scoring center in in, in the NHL now. Maybe he was five to eight years ago. He's never a top six scoring center in the NHL. But he he brings he was an a top six. He was a top six center, but he was a guy right. who. He was the matchup unlocker. He was, he was the, the he was he, the Foxa guy. Yeah, and I like what Hansel's doing. It looks good. He looks like he's getting better. Um, it's a great third line option or fourth mm-hmm. line option, but it's not your second line nope. as far as a scoring line. No. And Dallas is missing that. But you know what, Sean? Here the other problem is simply tonight the effort wasn't there when it needed to be. The focus wasn't there early because in the third period we saw that turn off and the intensity go higher. That needs to be there from the beginning. Yeah, it does, and it's. I mean, for whatever is whatever, whatever reason, the stars don't start well. Like that's they're typically in the first period. There's always something where th- th- there's been a couple games, but in general, this team doesn't start well. It no, takes way too long to wake up. They their best period is the second period because their first and thirds haven't been as good. Yeah, maybe it's a long change. I don't know. Like maybe they like long changes. Or they catch 
teams on the long change and they can't get off the ice, so the, 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 <laughs> they, they grind them down and maybe, I don't know. Um, so we started on a really high note because we were in a good mood. And then the more we talked about it, the more we, the, the lightning round brought us down tonight. <laughs> so let's finish this car cast because we're parked in front of your house. You're waiting for me to get out so you can go in and I can go home with, the upcoming schedule. Okay. Stars play in Minnesota on Saturday, and then they finish their pre-holiday break games Sunday against the Islanders. The Wild have not been good lately. They were really good, and they beat the Stars in Dallas early in the season, and they charged their way into a fourth place, first wild card. They were up there for a bit. Mm-hmm. They've only won three of their last ten. They've lost a couple in a row. Matt Dumba's hurt. That's a problem for them. They have some guys that aren't scoring and stuff. But Minnesota's always been a tough place in St. Paul for the Stars to play. Mm-hmm. They need to go up there and find a result, and hopefully because of the performance tonight that they have some impetus to do that. Because uh, Brad said on our postgame show, there's a huge difference of limping into the break versus winning. He goes, if you limp into this break, if you don't get results the next couple of games, it's all you're going to think about. Yeah. And, it's an, and that's not a positive. No, you need to – it's – they're must-win games. Not 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 to the point where it's must-win, pack it up, season's over if you lose. But it's getting close to that point where you need to start banking these points because you can't lose to Chicago. Like you can't. Lose. Not not this Chicago no, team. Like right. It, this may you be know, the worst. Two years ago, this was the benchmark game. This may we be, have yeah, to match ourselves yes. up against the Cup champs. This, this Chicago team may be the worst ever team to play in a Winter Classic. Or yeah. Not, like as far as what they're, what kind of team yes. they are, and where they are in yeah. the standings, and. They still have a huge following because of what they've done for the last mm-hmm. decade, but this is a team that you should beat. There you go. Now I'm thinking about that. I have to watch that Chicago team on January 1st. You don't have to. I don't have to. You will? I don't know if I will. You might. I might. Uh, what is it? Uh, Notre Dame Stadium? Yeah. Bruins and Blackhawks? Yeah, the, the outdoor games become... I mean, it, it, they're, they're, it, they're, When they first started, yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. thrilling. It was, it's not really... I don't feel the same. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I just think that it's... Part of it is we've seen enough of them. No, there's yeah. good, and the other thing is... There's really that day, isn't there? Oh, yeah. So, okay, yeah. Here's the, yeah. Here's the other thing. Yeah. It's the same darn teams. Yes. And for the being here covering the Dallas Stars, of course we're complaining about it because it would be nice to see others. But if you had... Now, it's hard to, to mm-hmm. pick in advance. But if you had Tampa Bay versus Toronto... Or the the Lightning played in Calgary tonight, and everybody talked about it being a thrilling game. I gotta, I'm gonna watch it tomorrow, probably. If you had Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, Tampa, uh, the Capital, well, Capital's been in a lot, but a te- Nashville, these teams, that's the hockey you want to see right now. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see the the old classic teams. I mean, I love the the original six teams. It's fun. It's historical. But neither of those two are the cream of the crop right now. No, they're not. So I I want to see Tampa Toronto mm-hmm. or Toronto I mean amazingly it's a Canada a Canadian one. I want to see Toronto Calgary. I want to see that offense. I want to see yeah. them go head to head. Um so things to think about as we get go along here. How do you spice up the outdoor game? Do you make it an indoor game and just make it a really mm-hmm. good matchup, a flex game, so to speak? I think it's hard to it's hard to determine that until the season yeah. gets going because you don't know who's going to be good and who's going to be. You have an idea, but a lot of people thought that the Capitals were going to have a big hangover because they they celebrated their Stanley Cup win for for months. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They 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 aren't hungover at all. 
I have a way. I have a way you could do the outdoor game that maybe people would tune in. How? For a couple of years, don't do any regular season ones. Just do the All Star game outdoors. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Just for just, fun. Just do the All Star. It's, it's a game that's for fun. If the ice conditions are bad for the All Star game, it doesn't matter. Nope. It's and all of a sudden you get people. People don't. The All Star game is losing its appeal. The outdoor game is losing its appeal. Maybe you throw them together somehow. It's well, that's a, not a bad idea. Yeah. Again, it's um, it's a novelty. I love the fact that they have an outdoor game because it's it's so cool. But again, um, you know, the NHL has such high stakes that outdoor games, ice conditions are never as good as indoors. The weather is different. It's mm-hmm. fun, but these are also real games. Yeah. So with the All Star game, it's more of a hey, it doesn't really matter if it's hot or if it's cold, we'll deal with it. So interesting thought. Three on three hockey outdoors is always fun too. Yeah. So. All right, that's it for us. We have Stars and Wild from Minnesota on Saturday and then another car cast on Sunday night, our last before the Christmas break when they play the New York Islanders, who, by the way, might be a little upset still from that 6-2 to two drubbing the Stars handed them back in November at Barclay Center. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back then. Until then, so long, everyone.